There are three points I want us to um, look at today. And uh, the first point um, comes from uh, the passage we read in Corinthians. And we will come back to Timothy and his life and ministry later on. But the first point is this. All Christians are called to ministry. So the first point I want us to remember is that all Christians are called to ministry. And the reason um, why I can say that, the reason why um, we see that in scripture is because of this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, gave himself without reserve to the service of God and to human beings. When Jesus came to earth, Jesus served. Um, he did not come to be served, but Jesus served. He ministered. And you can see that all throughout his life, as it is recorded in the Bible, the three and a half years, we see him ministering and serving people. Now, as disciples of Jesus, if you say that I'm a follower of Jesus, you cannot say, well, you know, I enjoy going to church, but I don't want to serve. Because Jesus, our Lord and Master, from the beginning to the, to the very end of the life recorded in, in the Gospels that we have, the record of the life of Jesus, Jesus served. Does that make sense? Jesus, when he called his disciples, he told them from the start, come follow me and I will make you, he doesn't say I will make you listeners of my word or you will appreciate my word, I will entertain you by my parables and by the miracles and you will go, wow, what a wonderful savior and master we have. No, he says, come and follow me so that I can make you or I will make you fishes of men. So from the very start, he doesn't even say, come and follow me. And then after two, three years, four years, five years, ten years, when you feel you're mature enough, um, if you want, why don't you consider service? He says from the start, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. To follow Jesus, to follow Jesus, who is known to have been ministering and serving and comforting and healing and praying and counseling all throughout his life means that we also say, Lord, I am willing to serve others. So again, the first point, all Christians are called to minister. Jesus preached the gospel, healed the sick, fed the hungry, befriended the friendless, defended the oppressed, comforted those who were grieving, went after the lost. He lived and died in sacrificial service. So when we follow Jesus, we have to ask the question, do I want to follow this Lord? Because this is what he's all about. And if he's calling me to follow him, he's calling me to follow his example as well. Do we want to follow him? Somebody once said, Jesus was born in a borrowed manger. He preached from a borrowed boat. He entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He ate last supper in a borrowed upper room. And he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Now he asked to borrow the lives of Christians. If he do not speak, then he is silent. All throughout his ministry, Jesus borrowed the goods and the property of other people so that he could serve, he could reach out to the lost. And now he's asking us, he's asking me and you, can I borrow your life? Can I borrow your life so that I can serve people through you? It is not us serving people, it is Christ serving through us. He's asking us, would you give me your hands? Would you give me your time? Would you give me your energy to serve people. And if we do not speak, if we say, no, I am busy with other things, then he is silent. He won't come and appear to our colleagues through angels. He doesn't come and appear to our, to our neighbors through angels. He wants to use our lives. He wants to use us in service to others. So we are called then to lend ourselves to God. We all have something to contribute. 
Everyone has a role to play in the body of Christ. No one is excluded. And Paul makes us that also very clear. He says in verse 11, and we've read that before, but it is one and the same spirit who does all this. As he wishes, he gives a different gift to each person. Paul says he gives a different gift to each person, and the emphasis is that every person is part of it. Every person receives something. All of us here, Paul says, are part of the body of Jesus, and God has given us a gift. Now, you might not know it, you might not use it, but God has given you a gift, Paul says. Every one of us has been given a gift by God. Just like every part of our body has a role to play, for our body to function well as a whole, everyone in church has an important contribution to make. Now, you might ask, why did God do that? Why is God not more selective? Why did he uh, give gifts even to those who are maybe immature? And I'm sure you've asked that question sometimes because I've come across people in my time as a Christian where I've seen them being very talented, but at the same time, they were very, they were lacking commitment. And we were thinking, oh, he's an amazing guitarist, or he's got an amazing voice, but God has given this gift to somebody who isn't even mature enough to even come to church maybe regularly. And you ask the question, why is that the case? Why does God give gifts to everyone? And I think there are two reasons. First of all, because the need is great. God has given all of us gifts because the need is so great. The need to encourage, to pray, to follow up, to plan, to administer is so great that God has given everyone a gift. So God longs to use each one of us to encourage and to build others up. And this is why, because the need is so great in the church and outside the church, God has given gifts to everyone, to all of us. And we've seen that also yesterday in the planning meeting when we came together and we talked about the year and the struggles we had. There is a lot of needs. There are a lot of needs even in our church. There are, there are ministries, uh, like we had Sister Babes who was trying to, to lead two different ministries. Can you imagine? She was leading the singles ministry and the social ministry. And actually both ministries are very demanding. Um, you know, being a nurse and uh, also being a trustee in the church, even having one ministry is already a lot for her. Yet she, she had to do two ministries, to be two ministries over the past years, because there was no one else who came forward and said, you know what, I want to do this. I want to help the church, to bless the church by taking this resp responsibility. The need is great even in our church. That is only one area. But there are many other areas where we need support. And we've heard that from other ministries also. We have a need in the ushering ministry, where we have only Sister Kay and uh, Mary Ann, and sometimes they do work on a Sunday. So uh, there is a need for more people to come and to be part of it. I think there's a need even in the music ministry, because it is very taxing, we all know that, um, to prepare songs, to uh, lead worship, to come early and, and practice here. There's a need for support and for other people to be part of the, of the uh, music ministry. Uh, there is so much need inside the church alone. Let's not even start talking about the need outside the church. But the reason why God has given each one a gift, each one of us a gift, is because the need is so great. But the second, the second reason is this. The exercise of the gifts of the Spirit is the fertile ground on which the fruit of the Spirit grows. What is the fruit of the Spirit? When we ask God and we say that we want to grow spiritually, we want to grow in faith, what does that mean? We basically ask that the fruit of the Spirit 
growth in us. We ask that we may increase in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus Christ, our character to be changed, to become more like Jesus. We are praying for that. But the point is this, the fruit of the Spirit goes hand in hand with the gifts of the Spirit. We grow spiritually, the fruit of the Spirit grows in us as we exercise the spiritual gifts that God has given us. You don't become more like Jesus from the comfort of your couch while you're watching TV. That's not how God transforms us. God transforms us as we step out in faith and say, God, I want to serve you and I want to serve people because that's where God is. You might be in a place where God is not. And you might say, oh, I thought God is omnipresent. Yes, God is omnipresent, but God is especially present with the needy. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I was in prison, I was hungry, I was naked, you clothed me. This is where I was. Were you there? If we want to grow, we have to be where God is. We grow as we exercise our spiritual gifts, as we serve other people. This is when we grow. Does that make sense? When we serve other people, this is where our patience is tested, where our love is tested, where our self-control is tested. We cannot grow. The fruit of the Spirit cannot grow in us if we are not willing to serve other people. So two reasons why God has gifted each one of us. Each one of us has a gift, whether you use it or not, whether you know it or not. Two reasons. First of all, uh, the need is so great. The need for people to be helped, to be comforted, to be prayed for is so great. And this is why God decided to gift all of us. But secondly, God wants all of us to grow, to mature spiritually. And this is why he's given us gifts, so that in exercising our gifts, so that in working, in serving others, we can grow also. The fruit of the Spirit can grow in us. We can grow in love. We can grow in faithfulness. We can grow in gentleness, in self-control as we serve other people. And when we, you know, it is maybe a side point, but it is important when we come to a point where we say that we, we don't want to serve anymore. Why? Because uh, people have been difficult. Let's remember, that's the whole point, you know. People are difficult sometimes, but we continue to serve because this is how we grow in love. Not by giving up, but by continuing to serve. This is how we grow in faithfulness. That when it becomes difficult, we don't give up. We continue to serve God. When we don't feel like service, we don't, serving, we don't give up, we continue to serve God. And this is how we grow in faithfulness as Christians. Amen? I don't know if I was to ask you, how do you imagine spiritual growth happens? I don't know what your answer would be. And maybe there are different answers that we have. Maybe sometimes we assume that by just being in church, this is how we grow. Yes, it is important to hear the message. It's important to, to worship God. Um, But it is even more important that we serve God with our lives. That is how growth happens. That is how God continues to help us, continues to build us up. um, Because he knows that it is important that we grow so that our service is even more effective, so that we can help even more people. So the first point is that all Christians are called. Can you tell that to the person next to you? You are called and God has given you a gift. Can you say that to the person next to you? Amen. Let's affirm each other this afternoon. The second point is this. There's a wide variety of Christian ministries and gifts. So there's a a wide variety of Christian ministries and gifts. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, we um, read a list of uh, gifts that are very spiritual. Um, it seems that they're very spiritual in nature. So we talked about healing, miracles, speaking in tongues, and so on. But there's another list, and I want to read it, because sometimes when we talk about spiritual gifts, we think that, oh, that's all the you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and all this. But it's the second list in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 8. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 8. It says, we have many parts in the one body, and all these parts have different functions. In the same way, though we are many, we are one body in union with Christ. And we are all joined to each other as different parts of one body. Now that's very similar to what we read before in uh, 1 Corinthians. But now Paul starts and he uh, lists gifts that are completely different to those that we've read about before. So we have to use our different gifts in accordance with the grace that God has given us. If our gift is to speak God's message, we should do it according to the faith we have. If it is to serve, we should serve. If it is to teach, we should teach. If it is to encourage others, we should do so. Whoever shares with others should do so generously. Whoever has authority should work hard. Whoever sows kindness to others should do it cheerfully. So Paul talks about spiritual gifts here that look very natural. Things like encouraging other people. Uh, things like administration. Things like generosity, maybe helping a person in need. Things like kindness. Paul says those are also spiritual gifts. So some gifts involve more natural ability and less supernatural power like administration. And some have little human element like healing. So there's a spectrum of gifts. Some of them like healing, you might say there's, uh, there's little in it that is very natural. It is very spiritual or maybe speaking in tongues. But then on the other hand, you've got gifts that seem to be very natural like showing kindness or encouraging other people, and they don't seem to be very spiritual. Now, what Paul says here is that whether they are natural talents dedicated to God, and thus enhanced by, and because we dedicate them to God, they are enhanced by the Spirit or gifts that require God's intervention in a very visible way, like healing and speaking in tongues. All of these gifts are from the Spirit. All of these gifts flow from the same Spirit. For example... If you take somebody who is naturally gifted in the area of music, right? He's a, a, a great pianist, let's say. He's got a natural gift. Yet this natural gift can become a spiritual gift when he dedicates it to God. When he surrenders that gift to God. When he says that, God, I recognize that you've, you have given me this gift and I want to use it not just to play in bars, but, but I want to use it to worship you. I want to use it to lead other people in worship. That gift, which is a natural gift, becomes now a spiritual gift. Does that make sense? Maybe some of us are very kind and friendly by nature, but when we say, I want to use this uh, disposition, I have this character trait or personality trait that I have in the service of others, in going out and looking for people who are down, who are depressed, and I want to encourage them, I want to uh, comfort them. Um, we have taken something that is natural, part of our personality, and it has become now a spiritual gift. Does that make sense? Paul even talks about administration. Some of us might be by nature good managers or administrators, and it's a natural gift, a natural talent. Nothing spiritual about it. But Paul says, and the Bible teaches, that if we take that gift 
And if we dedicate it to God, if we say that, God, I want to serve you with this gift that you have given me, this becomes now a spiritual gift, and God will even enhance it. That's the beauty of it. God will even enhance it, and you will hear people say about themselves and about others that, oh, I knew that you're a great piano player, but the way you played last Sunday was just amazing. I've never seen you play like that. And people will say, yes, I've never experienced that myself. Because when we take our natural gifts and we surrender them to God, God enhances them. God comes and brings His blessing to bear upon them. And we do things like we've never done before. Amen. Um, He talks about teaching. Uh, We have teachers in our church and there's a natural gift or there's a natural talent of, of teaching. But when we surrender it to God, and God enhances it. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of the Christian life because you become better in the things that God has gifted you already as a Christian. And this is why it is our belief that as Christian nurses, as Christian administrators, as Christian teachers, whatever our profession is, we should excel. We should be excellent, isn't it? Because we have surrendered our gift to God and God has now enhanced it. Amen? It is like... Teaching 2.0, right? It is the upgrade to the teaching gift that you had before. It is enhanced now by God. Is that not wonderful? It's amazing, isn't it? And we use that, that gift in the church, but that gift can be used also outside the church. If we teach in a school, if we work as administrators in, in a company, if we work as nurses, wherever that is, we can use that gift, that enhanced gift now, to be a blessing not only to people, in the church, but even to people outside the church. So there's a wide variety of Christian ministries and gifts, um, and each one of us has received a gift from God. Now, the particular ministry to which God is calling us is likely to be determined by our gifts. So the ministry to which God is calling us is determined by the gifts that we have. If you can't, uh, if you can't sing, then chances are God is not calling you to the worship ministry. Maybe uh, you're frustrated and you really wanted to be part of the team. But if if it's difficult for you to keep a note, uh, if you don't have a musical ear, then that's not for you. But there's something else for you. That's the good news, isn't it? If you're not good with numbers, don't volunteer to help with uh, the accounting in in, in church. Because it won't work. So our ministry, the particular ministry to which God is calling us, is determined by our gifts. This means that a major factor in deciding our life, work, and ministry in the church will be uh, dependent on what kind of person we are in the way God created us and the way God has redeemed and gifted us. Because we believe that when God has saved us and um, we have become children of God, uh, yes, God enhances our natural gifts, but He can give us even other gifts. So what we do in church and even outside church is determined by the way we are created and uh, the way God has saved us. And the thing to remember is this, God is not a random creator. He has not given us natural gifts in order that they may be wasted. God is not a random creator. God is very careful in the way he created us. He has given us the gifts that we have, whatever those gifts are, Because he knows that there's a need somewhere. And that gift is important to meet that need. God does not waste anything. And he does not want the gifts that he has given us to be wasted. So God is not 
a random creator, and he's also not a random redeemer. He does not redeem us and give us gifts that we then um, can just ignore and not use. God wants us to use the gifts that he has given us. He wants us to discern, he wants us to cultivate, and he wants us to use, that, the, to use the gifts that he has given us. So first of all, we need to discern the gifts that God has given us. Maybe you, you are not even aware yet of the gifts that God has given you. And it's important to discover that. Um, and the way you can discover it is you can try and do different things. You say, maybe God has called me in the area of music. You can try that out. But you have to continue to discern. Because maybe that's not the ministry for you. Um, and you have to be discerning enough to say, that's not for me. So you can try out different things. You can ask people who know you. Ask them, what do you think is my gift? What do you think am I really good at? Um, so that you know uh, the gift that God has given you. But then we also have to cultivate you. Cultivate the gift that God has given us. So it is not enough that we have received a gift and that we know what our gift is, but we have to continue to cultivate the gift that God has given us. Amen? Now what does that mean? It means that if we are a musician, we continue uh, to look for training, to be further equipped. Uh, we continue to practice at home. Um, we continue to cultivate the gift that God has given us. There's a parable that Jesus tells of uh, people that have been given different talents. And two of them go out and they work with their talent. And the third one says, oh, the best thing to do is I, I bury my talent in the ground. And then the master comes back and he says, okay, what did, you use with the, what did you do with the talents I've given you? And the first two come back and say, oh, we've used them and we've multiplied them, we've cultivated them. And the third one comes back and he says, oh, I've dug it in the ground because I was afraid I might lose it. And maybe that's us sometimes that we say, yes, God has given me a talent, but I'm afraid to use it. Because maybe people will, uh, people will not accept it. Maybe, um, maybe I'm a bit too shy. And that's why I don't want to use it. Whatever the reason is, Jesus Christ says, God does not want the gifts that he has given us to go to waste. He will not be pleased with any of us saying that, oh God, uh, thank you that you've given me that gift and I've really taken care of it. I've always enjoyed it when I was alone at home, but I've never used it really in serving others. God wants us to use the gifts that he has given us. Amen? And all of us are unique. Let's remember that. All of us are unique. If every snowflake is unique, if every blade of grass is unique, remember all of us, even more, are unique. None of us, none of you, has any other counterpart, any other person that is exactly the way you are. Here in church and even in the whole wide world. All of us are unique. God, when he created us, he carefully invested and decided what gifts and talents to give us. He decided to give us certain gifts because he wants us to do certain things. He wants us to serve in certain areas and in certain ways. And he has decided, based on the plans that he has for our lives, he has decided what gifts to give us. God does not want any of the gifts that he has given to go to waste. Amen? God does not desire that. He does not want that. The question that we need to ask is, how can I, as the unique person God has made me, serve God and people so that nothing he had given me is wasted and everything he has given me is used? How can I, as the unique person God has created me, use the gifts that God has given me so that nothing goes to waste? Amen? And maybe it's a good question to ask at the end of the year. We usually start a new year 
uh, with a lot of resolutions, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to grow as a Christian. We, we said that the only way we will really experience growth as Christians, the way the fruit of the Spirit grows in us, is by exercising spiritual gifts, exercising the gifts God has given us. This is how we can grow. So if you want to grow this coming year, let's ask the question, what am I doing with the gifts that God has given me? Am I just hiding them in the ground? Being afraid to use them? Or am I happy? Um, am I excited to use the gifts that God has given me? The last point is this. So the first point was all Christians are called. The second point is a wide variety of Christian ministries. And the third point is this. Through spiritual gifts, the church is built up and made effective in its mission to the world. The point I want to make, and the point that Paul is making here, is that the gifts that God has given us, and the reason why, um, in the parable of the talents, Jesus says that the master is holding each one accountable, and he's asking them, what did you do with the gifts? It's because the gifts that you have, even the natural talents that you have, are not really yours. The gifts that we have, Paul says, belong to God. They belong to God, and he has only given them to us so that we can use them. But those are his gifts. They come from God. And it is very interesting to see how Paul is making that point. So the Corinthians wrote a letter to Paul saying, Paul, can you help us understand spiritual gifts? And this is the first point I want to make here. They say, can, I, can we please have an explanation about spiritual gifts? And the word that they use in the Greek is pneumatica. Pneumatica, from pneuma spirit. Right? So pneumatica, spiritual gifts. This is what they say in their letter to Paul. Please help us understand what are these pneumaticas all about. And then Paul replies, and he says in verse 4, he says, okay, let me tell you what spiritual gifts are all about. But he does not use the word pneumatica. He does not use spiritual gifts. He uses charismata. So he says, yes, let me tell you about pneumatica. And the first thing you need to know is that they are not pneumatica. They are charismata, which means they are graciously given to you from charis, from grace. Those are gifts that you do not deserve. You did not earn. You did not pay for them. God has given them to you graciously. God has given them to you graciously. So the first point is this. These are gifts that God has given graciously to the church. The second point is, he talks in verse 4 about different kinds of gifts. And the focus of Paul is not on the individual. And he says, that, oh, this is what you can do with the gift that now belongs to you. No, he talks about manifestations of those gifts within the church. He says, let's talk about gifts, but let's remember, those gifts are used in the context of the church. They are enhanced in the context of the church. Those are gifts from God. They are given graciously to you, but they are given to you as a church. They are not just given to you individually. Now you might say, what is, what is the difference? Well, the difference is this. If I think that I have the gift of playing the piano, and if I believe that this is my gift, my attitude will be, well, I can do with it whatever I want. Because that is my gift. That is my gift, so it belongs to me now. But if I say no, that gift of playing the piano is a gift that God has given to the church. That I cannot say anymore, I can do with it whatever I want. I can use it or not use it, it's up to me. No, God says it is not, because that's a gift that I have given to the church. 
Does that make sense? It is a spiritual gift. It is a charismata. It is a gift graciously given. It is a gift that I have bestowed upon the church. And I hope that there is this change in the way we view the gifts that we have. Would it not be wonderful for all of us to view the gifts that we have? Our natural talents, but also the talents that were enhanced by God and our spiritual gifts now. To see all this as gifts that God has given, not to us personally, but God has given to the church. God has given to the family. God has given to maybe, let's say, even London. God wants us to use them in serving other people outside the church. The difference is that we realize that I do not get to control, I do not get to decide. It is not a matter of serving or not serving, using the gifts or not, because those are not my gifts, isn't it? And that is the point that Jesus Christ is driving home. If you think about it, just think with me for a moment. What does Jesus Christ teach uh, teach about gifts? Paul talks about it a lot. What does Jesus Christ teach about gifts? Not much. The only parable, the only story that comes to mind is the parable of the talents. So the only point that Jesus is trying to make is this. Remember, the talents and the gifts that you have are not yours. Because in that story, the three persons were not given, the three servants were not given gifts or talents. And the master didn't say to them, now do with them whatever you want, they are yours. The master said, take care of them and I will come back one day, remember And then he eventually comes back and he holds them accountable. So the only point Jesus makes about gifts is this. Remember, they're not your own gifts. Remember, they were bestowed upon you by someone. They belong to someone. He has entrusted them to you. And the question is, are they going to waste or not? Are you using them or not? Amen? Let's reflect at the end of the year. Have we used the gifts that God has given us consistently? Have we used the gifts that God has given us faithfully? Or have we come to a point where we say, you know what, that's my life, that's my gift, I can do with it whatever I want. I'm not accountable to anyone. Yes, you're not accountable to me. I'm uh, in, no, in no position to hold you accountable. But remember, there is someone that you're accountable to. I will not ask you uh, to uh, tell me how you use the gift and the gifts that you have this year. But remember, somebody will once ask you, how did you use the gifts that I have given you? Amen. God has given each one of us a gift. He wants us to use the gifts that he has given us. I want us to um, end by looking at Timothy again. So we started off reading about Timothy and we read in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And I find it interesting because Timothy is a pastor and Paul has to remind him, Timothy even is a pastor. Remember, do not neglect the gift that God has given you. Is that not interesting? It seems that even Timothy had a problem maybe with consistency sometimes. And Paul has to remind him, do not neglect that gift. But what I find even more interesting is, we of course know that Paul wrote not only one letter to Timothy, but two letters. And in 2 Timothy, in the second letter, we read again in chapter 1, For this reason I remind you to keep alive the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. Do not be ashamed then of witnessing for our Lord. So Paul has to remind him a second time. Timothy, have I not written to you before to keep that gift ablaze? He has to remind him again and he says, keep that gift alive. Timothy, remember. 
Yes, you might be timid. You might be afraid. But remember, that is a spiritual gift. That is a spiritual gift. It means that the Spirit of God rests upon you. And the Spirit of God will give you the confidence and boldness to exercise that gift. Is that not wonderful? Paul says, remember. Remember the gift that God has given you. He says, the Spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. I like how he links the spiritual gift with the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of God in us does two things. He empowers us for service. He gives us spiritual gifts, but he also produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. Paul talks about love. Remember, he's given you power, but he's also given you love and self-control. Amen? God's Spirit in us, he transforms us to become more like Christ, but he also empowers us to serve others effectively. And the two cannot be separated. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot say, I want to grow, but I, want, I don't want to serve. And you cannot say, I want to serve, but I don't want to grow. The two belong together. We serve, and as we serve, we grow. We grow. And because we grow, we can serve others more effectively. We cannot say, I just want to serve, but don't tell me about my character. Don't hold me accountable about... Don't, don't talk to me about my character. Don't talk to me about my relationships because that is a separate issue. No, it's not separate. It's the same spirit in us. He gives us the talents and he enables us to live a holy life as well. Paul says, Timothy, remember, he gives you the power, but he's the one who also gives you love and self-control. Amen? As we close the service today, and we have to leave here a bit earlier, like I've said, because there's another group um, after us. But let's take a few minutes as we close. And I want us to uh, reflect on, on a question here. Which of your gifts are you not yet using in the service of Christ? Or let's just say in service. And what is holding you back? So which of the gifts that God has given you are you not using yet? And what is holding you back? Let's take a few minutes to talk to the person next to you about it. What are the gifts that you think God has given you which you are not using yet? And what is holding you back? Amen. And then let's take also a few minutes to pray for each other as well.